Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we continue in our study on the responsibility of the family, we come today to the root of the problem in the hearts of our children. We will see that our greatest challenge as parents is found in helping our children to learn submission to God. And the context of the submission in the primary spheres that influence and shape their lives. The root of all sin is a rebellion to become our own gods and thus reject God in all things. Thanks for listening today as we look to God's Word together. Well, this morning we continue in our study on the family, the responsibility of the family. And as I mentioned earlier, this is something that's extended to the church as a whole. Um, I even would hope you get tired of hearing me say it. The church is a family made up of families. Uh, By virtue of this, at any point that we find a command within God's word that would be uh, elevated or, or positioned to a parent, Uh, The extension of that responsibility is something that is seen in the church as a whole. And as we come together, uh, we are given instructions by God on how to relate to one another. Uh, In our study thus far, we have been in the book of Proverbs. And the message through the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is that which we must seek after. For it is that which God alone gives. And so the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins for us. You might recall a few weeks ago, the challenge was that honest instruction of the heart is a process. And this is the challenge to every one of us. Making sure that that which we say is rooted not in our opinion, not in what TV says. It's rooted in truth. It's honest. And sometimes honesty is hard. Sometimes delivering truth is not easy. Uh, But yet we must understand this is the call to us if we're going to embrace wisdom. It also has to be in the realm of instruction. Uh, moms and dads, it will not suffice for you to say, well, if I give my kids a good home and three square meals a day, they'll turn out okay. They will not turn out okay. Uh, They are born into this world with an inclination against God. And therefore, it is incumbent upon you to recognize the challenge has come from the authority of God Almighty, His property of His creation and His children, He has offered jurisdiction to you, mom and dad. And so it must be honest from God's word. It must be truthful, but it also must be instructive. Additionally, it must be directed to the hearts of our children. It will do you no good to correct behavior. You may remember the illustration. If, you, if you're driving erratically on the road in the wrong direction, what good will it do you to drive correctly in the wrong direction? Uh, that, that is the essence of what behavioral modification will find in the lives of our children. If we're only focusing on you say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, please, and thank you. Um, if that's all we're ever uh, endeavoring after, we missed the error of the direction of their hearts. And so honest instruction directed to the heart. And lastly, it, it's a process. That, that's in review. Is everybody with me? Remember that from a few weeks, right? Uh, last week, uh, the challenge that we saw from Proverbs chapter 2 is that the, the, the challenge is yours, parents. It's, it's, it's your responsibility, but you actually can't do it alone. Do you remember that? Yeah, you, you, you and I as parents were called to this. And within the church, uh, those who serve in leadership were called to this within the family of God. But you cannot do it alone. Remember the fear that so many parents have of that moment when kids go off to college and you can't be there. Mommy can't be there to bandage your knee and to lift you up and help protect you from these crazies, right, that live out in the world. 
You can't be there, but who can? God can be there. And God is present with your children if, when they're young, you are offering to them wisdom. And so this is, this is the call. You, you are the one who are tasked with the responsibility to raise your child, to teach your children. But you can't do it alone. You need God's help. It's incumbent again then upon the parents to be on their knees seeking God's wisdom so that wisdom is what we offer to our children for wisdom will save them. Wisdom will protect them. Well, Halloween's around the corner. Uh, we have our little jack-o'-lantern buckets that Mike and Sadie carry and they filled them up yesterday at the trunk or treat. It was, it was a great day for them. Um, I remember when I was a child, um, my folks would, uh, because my mom's very health conscious, she would purchase my candy from me as a child. I was allowed to keep a couple, right? But the rest, quarters, nickels, and dimes uh, were the uh, exchange rate that I got for candy. However, I did notice that the, the, the candy bucket continued to go down in my house because dad would eat all the candy. And so guess who's the dad now? Um, but what I discovered is during the trunk retreat and on the ride back, my four-year-old was just reveling in the sugar and wrappers and eating all kinds of candy. Delicious candy. She wasn't asking per, for permission. Uh, she was very happy to eat as much as she could. Cupcakes and frosting. And, and then what sound did I hear last night coming from her room? Little cry, Mommy, my, my belly hurts. And she was up all night throwing up last night. That's right. And so as the dad, I was up all night asking Emily to take care of her. (laughs) You don't know how hard it is. It's just, it's very stressful for dads. Um, you, you, You can see how the temptations of this world, you can see how the desires of the flesh... Instead of listening to your parents that put limitations on these things that try to protect you from that which is going to cause strain and error and discomfort in your life, if you listened, you'd find that, yeah, I I don't have a bellyache through my life. I remember myself being a young child. Again, I don't get all the candy. It gets bought or gets taken, right, because I get uh, paid for it. Well, I went to my uh, uh, friend's uh, 10-year birthday party. And uh, there on the middle of the table next to the cake was something that I had rarely ever seen in my home. It was jello pudding pops is what it was. <laughs> jello squares all over. And without my mom there to uh, buy them from me, I ate jello square after jello square after jello square. And then the group of boys here, we all went to the Y and went swimming. And do you know what happens when you mix jello and chlorinated pool water? You know what happens? Remember those, those volcano experiments? <laughs> so much like my daughter, I know what that's like to rebel against the will of your parents and therefore reap the consequences of a life lived in rebellion. Uh, folks, this is the problem. This is the problem that we face. Mom and dad, hear me now. This is the problem that we face. I've entitled this message, The Problem of Their Hearts, because we need to just get right down to it today. Uh, We're going to be, again, in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter 3. I invite you to turn there with me now. Uh, What we're going to seek to uncover is that the true problem of our children in this world, and even ourselves, is an unsubmissive heart. 
That's right. I used the S word in church. This is not popular today. Submission is not a word that you will hear from many pulpits, but it is one that is to the root core of the problem of uh, our world today and children in the world. They have, by nature of sin, an unsubmissive heart. They want what they want. They want to rule the way they want. Uh, They think that the things they have are theirs, belong to them. The depth of evil is our desire to control our own destiny. That's it. And and hopefully as I'm uh, leveling this against children, every one of us in here recognizes, yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I, I, I recognize that I actually would rather rule my own life rather than, what's that S word again? Submit to God. That's called putting a God before God. Namely, ourselves. This is the root problem of the hearts of all children and ourselves. Proverbs chapter 3 is going to walk us through uh, six different spheres of submission. And so that's what we're going to look at. As we go through the text, we're going to read through it. And we're going to see six spheres or areas, if you will, of submission that we as both parents and as we look to our children need to encourage that. After that, we're going to find there are five main conclusions that are benefits to submitting to God. Meaning, if you submit to God and therefore teach your children how to submit to God, five amazing blessings are going to come your way. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, page 987 in the Pew Bibles. I'd like to invite you to follow along as we read through the chapter together. Excuse me. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all of her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, persevere in sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you. An ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good 
from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it with, when you, have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man that takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. All right, this, this is our text. And uh, just as I begin, I want to make one point of concession that as we look through these first opening six spheres or areas, I, I just want you to know I could preach a whole sermon on each one. And so I am going to be really restraining myself from running after each of these. Uh, you, we, we could do a whole series just on Proverbs 3 and take each one of these in and of themselves. The reason I just want to mention that to you is to say, if you come out to Bible study on, on Wednesdays, um, you know, we, we could go deeper in this. This is worth you taking home. Now, we're, we're just scratching the surface this morning, all right? We all on the same page with that? I do, however, I want to show you the structure of the writer here. And rather than just sit in one... Um, verses 5 and 6 are pretty fantastic. I'm sure that you've heard those before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We've all heard that verse, right? Boy, you could preach a whole message on that. But see, that falls in a greater context of a continuation of spheres. And so that's what we're trying to do this morning. We're trying to look at the whole scope of what the author is trying to give us. So to begin with, I want you to see our first observation is where submission begins is submission to parents. Do you see that? Verse 1. Can't miss it. Submission begins with submission to parents. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Each one of these couplets that we find, each one of these six spheres we look at, they're going to begin with a command. They're going to begin with instruction, but they're going to conclude with a consequence. Which means, if you listen to verse 1, then what will happen to you in verse 2? Check this out. For they will prolong your life many years and will bring you prosperity. I remember when my sister and I were small, um, there were only two things I can remember my dad raising my voice to my sister on that she was to avoid. Number one was the stove. We have a, a wood a soapstone stove in the living room, and little kids need to stay away from that, right? Well, as soon as he said, don't touch, what, did she, what was she tempted to do? All right? And it didn't help that every now and then my uncles would come over and do one of these... Right? And, oh, that was cool. And I, I would do that because, of course, but see, I did it like them. But my little sister, she didn't quite understand. And one day, guess what she did? She touched the stove. And you heard the cries ring out in the house. Burned little hand having to be run under the cold water. Don't touch. There was the command from the parent. One other place that dad said don't touch was his, his razor for shaving. And uh, there, there was, she, she would watch. I remember dad would be in there shaving in the morning and she'd kind of look up at him, face all covered with uh, the uh, shaving. Thank you. I was saying shaving sauce. Thank you. <laughs> shaving cream. One day you heard the cry ring out from the bathroom and there was blood pouring down. Now, they weren't deep cuts. They were little razor cuts, right? But once again, you missed that. I remember both of these because that shrieking cry is something kind of imprints in your brain. Boy, if she had only read Proverbs 3, right? <laughs> or maybe she did. It says, my son, look, ladies, you're not off the hook. Daughters as well, do not forget teaching. 
Keep the commands in your heart. Listen. Hear the word of your parents because that will give you the promise of long life. In fact, we see this repeated. I, I, I want to make sure I press this correctly. This is actually in the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? Right here. Proverbs 3 actually shows up in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Exodus 20. Here it is. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Apostle Paul understands this as well. In the book of Ephesians, he writes this in chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. So that it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Um, The trouble is, our children are not naturally inclined to submit. They're not. And so they need to learn this. Submission begins, first of all, with parents. And the reason is because your children's identity is not initially in the Lord. Think with me upon your own journey to faith. It wasn't that when you were a child, maybe even to middle school or high school, that you fully understood the nature of God's grace to draw you out of sin. Now, question, yes or no, are children sinners? They are. But they don't quite understand that in the way they should, such that they would call out for grace. In fact, the perversion of a dead heart that is inclined towards self-love as if we were our own God, do you know how it solves the problem of sin? The unredeemed heart. You know how it solves it? By works. That's, that is across the board. doesn't matter if you grew up in America. Anywhere on earth, the dead human heart will try to undo the wrong by doing what? Right. That's what it will try to do. And that is not grace at all. Which means it needs to be modeled by you and I. Because as children grow up, they first understand that. Not from God, but from us. Children will craft their identity of understanding what it means to understand grace, first of all, through mom and dad, which is why submission must begin there. We must show our children how to submit, how to obey. Uh, I, I was, uh, boy, I'll just let you know, folks, I've had to really live this sermon this past week, twice this week. Normally, uh, Micah is just, he's, uh, we're so blessed to have a wonderful, wonderful boy. But twice this week, we kind of ran into clashes And I know some of you are kind of nodding along. Yeah, I know what that's like to kind of clash with my child. And twice I had to pull him aside and really sit down and explain to him, look, I know what I'm saying to you might not make sense. You have to trust me, though. You have to believe. And I had to tell him these words. I had to say, I'm on your side. I know it seems like I'm correcting you and that you're in the wrong, but I wouldn't be doing this if I weren't fighting for you. I'm on your side on this. I'm telling you the way to live. Listen to my teaching. Trust me, even if it doesn't make sense. Trust that what your dad is saying is going to be the right course of behavior and action. This is where it begins. Submission to parents. Secondly is this. Submission of their identity. This is a big one. Uh, Children, especially in our world today, craft who they are by what they read on Facebook. Do you know that? That's how they craft who they think they are. Uh, we need to have them submit that identity. I don't, I don't care who you think you are. You belong to God. And he is calling for you to return to him. You, you, whatever version of yourself that you're putting out there online for people to see. And by the, you just understand how rampant this is in our world today for children. It also applies to us as well. But submission of identity for how we see ourselves must be handed over to who God says that we are. Look with me in verses uh, 3 and 4. Again, a couplet, two verses together. This is the second sphere. Uh, He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, there comes a point uh, in a teenager's life where they don't want to be seen with mom. Right? <laughs> Jessica's that, she's, she's nodding her head right now. She's like, totally know what that's like. That's right. There comes a point in a teenager where mom, and, and thankfully for me, I just love this. My son still says, love you, dad, when I drop him off at school. I still love that. I'm not looking forward to the day when he's like, later, pops. <laughs> not looking forward to that. I, I, I love that he still connects that identity of, of knowing that he can say that. But there comes a day where they're like, yeah, just, just give me some space, right? And it's good. We need to give our teenagers space. But the danger is that they begin to craft their identity in and of themselves and not from who God says they are. This is what the Bible says in verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. It's not really cool to be seen with love and faithfulness, though. Don't let them leave you. Love and faithfulness need to be right in step with every teenager. I don't care how cool that looks or not. Look what else it says. Bind them around your neck. This is the picture of a beautiful necklace. Um, I was going to... Well, I'll say it anyways. I, it's a little off, off script here. Um, at our... Um, uh, what did we have yesterday? Trick or treat, yeah. Um, the, everybody's dressed up, and uh, you guys know Sarah and Luke Adams. She hel- helps in the nursery. She, she dressed up in a beautiful gown, right? But she had these three rings of pearl necklaces, right? I mean, it, it was just shining. Like, anybody who saw her was just like, wow, look at, look, look at that which ordains her neck and the beauty that that gives. That's what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that wisdom ought to be for you, both in the aspect of love and faithfulness, something that people see when they look at you. You're, you're not tucking it in like a, you know, like a manly chain. You know, like, I don't want them to see my necklace. Right? I've got to look tough. I don't want people to think that I'm a Christian. I don't want them to think that I love my neighbor. That This is saying the exact opposite. Your identity is not in whatever external form you want to present to the world. It ought to be exactly who God has characterized you as. So you let these things be visible They adorn you with the beauty, like a necklace would. I want you to see the other part of the verse. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So not only external, but what's the other thing here? Writing it on your heart means it's also internalized. It's showing up in both places. I I need to to just point out to you where this comes from. This is a very old command. Again, the, the writer here is drawing from the uh, book of Deuteronomy, both for the first one here with the fifth commandment, but also in this one in Deuteronomy 6. Listen to these words. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Did he cover it all? So if you're staying home, talk about them. If you're leaving home, talk about them. You're either staying or leaving, right? Um, when you lie down and when you get up, you're either lying down or getting up. So here it is all the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands. The, the idea here is what you do. So that's the picture of hands. And bind them on your foreheads, what you think. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This is exactly the same thing that the proverbist here, our, our writer, is saying. Submission needs to be a submission of identity. You guys know what it's like. You, you, we all dress up. We want people to, to be impressed to a certain degree as to what we look like, right? You're, you're not just 
scratching out the bottom of the barrel for earrings for church, right? You're, you're picking ones that match, right? And, and you're combing your hair and, and, you're, and you're looking appropriate. Right? There, there's a degree, even for people that want to look tough, by the way, right? So sometimes if people don't dress up, that's not to say that they're not thinking about it either. They're still presenting themselves in a fashion. Look, the fashion by which people need to identify you is right here. You've been characterized by God if you've embraced wisdom. and Love and faithfulness need to be shown both externally and internally. It's a submission of identity. All right, we, we made it through two. Let's get to the third sphere. Here it is. It's submission of their hearts. Uh, verses five and six is the couplet of this one. It's, it's fairly obvious. Look with me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Um, how much of your heart? Uh, how much of your ways? If, if, you're, if you're following along in your Bible, I'd encourage you to underline or circle those words. All. In all your ways, acknowledge God. That means that I am giving God credit no matter what comes my way, good or bad. I'm looking for his involvement in my life. And all of my heart, all of my heart is given to God. Imagine that you stood uh, before your bride-to-be or your groom on your wedding day and making your vows, you pledged to give them 90% of your heart. 90%. How's that going to go? Are you kidding me? 100%, right? And, and nothing short of 100%. Understand this. God wants the same. He wants all of your heart. The submission of our hearts is something that we have to offer to God. Uh, there's a really important word here. It's in verse 5. Lean not on your own understanding. I want to give you a picture of that. The, the Hebrew word here, lean, means to rest or rely on with confidence. Don't, don't lean or rest. Or rely on what you think you'll be able to discern from the situation. Acknowledge God. Look for God. Give it all to God. Not your own heart. Not your own agenda. It's a submission of the entirety of our hearts. In the Bahamas, we had a, a, a pickup truck. And one time, uh, Micah and Emily and I, uh, we, were, we put the tailgate down. And uh, we, were gonna, we were watching the sunset. It was a beautiful moment. It was just really nice, peaceful, watching the, the sun go down. Um, a tailgate is only supported. Some of you know where I'm going. <laughs> is only supported by two little cables on either side. And in the, the rusty environment of the Caribbean, uh, we were sitting there, and I remember normally we hold Micah, and he was pretty small, uh, but we set him between us on the tailgate. And, and there it was, peacefully just sitting. And in a moment, the tailgate snapped. And I, I remember uh, just, you know how dad reflexes? Anyone know what dad reflexes are? <laughs> Snatching Micah the moment before his nose grazed the dirt and, and keeping him from uh, falling. But there the tailgate fell. What was, it? what was our mistake? We relied on what? We leaned on what? We put all our hope on what? That tailgate. <laughs> that thing that could fail. Hear me now. God will never fail you. God will never snap. God will never corrode. God will never break. You are a fool if you are relying on yourself. You are a fool. I hate to be the one to tell you. You are. If you think that there's somebody else's advice that you're going to rely on more than what God has said. You and I need to learn to submit the entirety of our hearts to God. And you'll see in verse 6, uh, the reward that comes from that is he will make your path straight. Look, we could, we could, again, I could spend a whole lot more time on this. But in life, it will feel like the road turns in places where you can't see around the corner. I know there's times where I pull out here and there's a big truck that comes out of LP and I got to hit the brakes. And what am I doing around the corner headed Iron Mountain? I'm looking for 
oncoming traffic, right? But those curves, so I could pass, make it such that sometimes I can't see. In life, you're going to have those same moments. Times where you get a call. Times where the ambulance has to come on a Sunday morning. And you think, boy, I just don't know what's around the corner. Hear the words of the psalm, or the, the proverbs this morning. Don't rely on yourself. Don't worry about figuring it out on your own. He will show you how these paths are made straight when you submit to him the entirety of your heart. Number four, we need to submit uh, our pride. Or for our children, it is a submission of their pride. Verses six, I'm sorry, seven and eight. Look with me, seven and eight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This idea of being wise in your own eyes is the issue of pride. I'm right. My way's best. Unless you agree with me, you're wrong. Right? This is how all of us in the world go through life. This is why you will run into conflict with your children. Because many times, difference of perspective, which is why it's important for parents to sometimes see things from their perspective. Again, we must parent to the heart, not just a change of behavior. But the issue when you come into conflict with your children is that they are not submitting their pride. They are wise in their... Yeah, look, when kids are growing up, before they get into high school, you can teach them, I've been told. You can tell them things. (laughs) But when they get to be teenagers... I'm looking at a couple teenagers we got here. (laughs) Somehow they know everything now. And I know in my own life I was guilty of that as well. It's because of pride. That's what that is. That's because of pride. I, I sometimes like to imagine God as a chess player. And he's got, you guys know chess, right? They get all the pieces of different movements. And for many of us, we're pawns in the front row. I sometimes think if I were a pawn, how much I would fuss about being moved to a place. This doesn't seem right. I think I'm in danger here. But the chess player, the master who knows everything, he's got a purpose and he's got a plan. And he's got a strategy and you don't know it. So worrying and fussing and complaining, it's a matter of a lack of submission of my pride. What I think is right is right. Hold on. You're trying to tell me God's making a mistake right now. You're trying to convince me that God doesn't know what's happening in your life right now. You don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord. Look to Him. Trust Him. And the results here in verse 8 will be yours. Bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. All right, number five is this. It's a submission of our resources. Submission of our resources. Verse 10, or 9 and 10 say, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Again, I could, literally 45 minutes on this one. I'm going to try to do it in two. But um, Jesus will say these words, You can't serve two masters. And the greatest temptation in our world today for dependency is money. Many of us do not feel secure unless we think that the cash is there. God says it's a very dangerous thing to base your decisions solely off of what cash can do. Who's greater? Money in the bank or God? God. No, we, we, gee, we confess that. We all can say that, but to live that is differently. And so here's where submission of resources comes into play. There's a word in here I really want you to underline, and it's in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The reason why I love first fruits is because I don't give to God after I've given to everywhere else. And then whatever is the remainder, whatever's left over, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give that to God. Instead, I put Him first in all things. When I was a, a, a child, we would go to Grandma's house. And Grandma made the best pancakes. I'm telling you, fluffiest, lightest. And she had homemade syrup. It was, I would eat a dozen of them. They were awesome. 
But before I could get my quick little hands on any of those hotcakes, who did Grandma serve first? Grandpa. I'll never forget that. I mean, here I am, far hungrier than him. <laughs> needing to grow. But she serves him first. I, I don't want you to lose the idea that first fruits show honor. Does everybody see that? When, when, when you give to somebody first, you are paying them honor and respect. And when it comes to our resources, and I don't want to just make this about money. It's our resources. Whatever that looks like in your life. If you and I are going to pursue wisdom, and if we're going to help our children learn to be submissive such that they grow in wisdom, this sphere has to be conquered by the gospel. We must honor God by giving to Him. Help me out. First. Let's say that together, right? Honor God by giving to Him. First. first. That's right. Um, good. We'll, we'll move on from there. Number six is this. Submission to discipline. Verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. Um, I, I want you to see how this is not found in one place in Scripture. There's a few places. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs chapter 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. In the passage that Peggy read for us this morning. Proverbs 29. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom. But a child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. Discipline your children. And they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. We, we've got this little, you, you've met him before, this little dog in our house. Boy, this little dog is a pain in my neck sometimes. He loves to wait till no one's looking and then go into the trash. And just whatever he can find, he does not put back. I'll tell you that. He, he leaves it where we can see that he's been in it. And there was one time I just heard through the levels of the floors in our home, my wife shouting at the dog, and then I heard him growl back at her. Yeah, uh, she, wasn't, she wasn't too pleased at that. But what, what is she trying to do in that moment where he's getting into the trash? She's disciplining him. Now that dog has still not learned. But part of it, you can see why. Because as you're pulling him away from whatever he desires, he wants to be his own dog. He wants to be his own master and rule the way he wants after his own desires. And pulling him away, what does he do to the hand that's pulling him away? He's growling back at it. That, that's going to bring disgrace to his mom. We call Emily his mom. I, I love the little dog. He's, he's a wonderful little dog, but he needs to learn. This is, the, this is the place each of our children additionally need to learn. They need to submit to discipline. And again, there's so much more that I could say on this. Let's work towards some conclusions this morning. I wanted to give you five things from the text here that, uh, that are the wisdom of submitting to God. So if you submit to God, here, here's what will come your way. Number one, it will profit blessings. If you look with me again in verses 13 through 18, check out what he says about wisdom. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding. She's more profitable than silver. She yields better returns than gold. Look, don't go uh, investing in Facebook or Google. What should you invest in? Wisdom. 
Wisdom will give you better returns than silver or gold or any commodity that you could buy. This is the word that's given for those who submit themselves. There it is. Number one, it will profit to you blessings. Um, illustration I thought of this is uh, anybody cross-country ski? Anybody crazy enough to cross-country ski? You guys are a special, special bunch there. All right, out there in the freezing cold. All right, the best way, because I've done it a couple of times, if you're going to cross-country ski, if you get your skis in the ruts of the person in front of you, you just glide right along, right? It's like a blessing. But if you get your, like I do, out of them, then you're chomping along. and you're. If you haven't tried this before, you're totally missing this illustration. But here's the point. If you follow in the path that you ought to, which for us in this text is wisdom, then what you will find is that blessings will come to you as surely as those skis glide upon those ruts that are already paid for you. Blessings will come your way if you submit for God's wisdom. Number two is this. Uh, wisdom of submitting to God will partner with God's creation. Uh, look with me in verses 19 and 20. You, you may have missed this the first time, but... Boy, I could really spend some time on this. 19 and 20. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. When, when the Proverbs here is speaking to us about why you should submit to wisdom, he's saying, because that's how God made it all. That as you pursue wisdom, you will be coming right in line with how God made it to be used. Uh, I, I've chopped a lot of wood in my day as a young man. And so when I was out with Micah, I, I gave him the maul. Now a six-pound maul is a little heavy for a 10-year-old to swing. And he's, I mean, he's just doing it wrong. Just, you should have seen Doing it wrong. I told him, son, you're doing it wrong. It's not made to be used like that. Let me show you how it's made to be used. Uh, my daughter Sadie took the food processor, that clear little container that used chopped vegetables, and she put it on her head. <laughs> Makes a nice little crown. What did I tell her? She's using it how? Wrong. You're using it wrong. God made this whole world woven with his wisdom. And when you embrace wisdom, you will be operating in union, in partner with his creation. You will find that you will be using it the right way. You will be operating in his creation the right way, the way it was created to be. But if you're all about my wisdom, if you're all about hey, the, me, myself, and I, how I want to do it, you will find yourself in opposition. The word will come to you from God. You're doing it wrong. Number three is this. Wisdom of submitting to God will provide protection and security. I won't press much more on this. It's found in our verses 21 through 26. Your foot will not stumble in verse 23. When you lie down, you won't be afraid. Your sleep will be sweet. We really saw that a lot last week. But once again, a life submitted to God will provide the blessing of safety and protection. This is where wisdom will lead us. Number four is this. It will produce a godly society and neighborhood. There's so much more I could say in this one. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow when I have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully with you. Very briefly, let me just say this. When God called you to him, he called you out of a characterized life of a society apart from how God intended it to be. And then when God calls you into a life with him. He brings you into the church. If someone were to peer into the church 
when it's operating for wisdom and submission to God, they would see a society that lives the way God intended it to live. Where we love one another. We carry each other's burdens. We pray for one another. We, we want to seek to help one another. We're quick to forgive one another. This is how society was made to live. There, there's another Presbyterian pastor who once wrote a song upon the same line. I don't know if you've heard it. He says, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? Mr. Rogers, I think, is the, the best epitomization of what this truth is. That in the church, you find neighbors who live the way they're supposed to live. It's a recreation of society itself. This is what it means to live in wisdom. Unfortunately, in our world today, too many people roll their eyes when they see their neighbors. And Mr. Rogers is begging for you to be his neighbor. Won't you? Won't you be my neighbor so that we can go through life together? We can love one another and help one another. And what a privilege it would be to have you as my neighbor. That's the blessing. Submitting to God's wisdom, it will produce a godly society and neighborhood. Number five, it will procure God's favor. The last couple of verses, you can't, can't not see this. It's obvious. Um, if you look in verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the proud mockers, gives grace to the humble. The wise will inherit honor, but fools he holds to shame. So if you want God's favor, submission is where it begins and submission in these six spheres we've looked at. So what do you do? How, how do you speak to your child's heart? Number one, I, I want to give you this. Speak with gentleness. Speak with gentleness. Again, what was wisdom supposed to be? Right? What, what is it supposed to be around your neck? Well, wisdom is supposed to be this beautifully ordained necklace. And you as a parent, when you are offering wisdom to your children, you're not doing it like this. You're wisdom! <laughs> That won't work. When you speak to your children, you need to speak with gentleness, remembering that wisdom is for them a laying on of a beautiful garland necklace. That's what it's supposed to look like. Nobody just throws a necklace on somebody, right? There's this gentleness that's involved with it. We need to learn to speak with gentleness to our children. I've said this and I'll say it again. I've learned yelling does not work. It, it shames me, if anything. And then I have to ask for forgiveness. I've given up yelling. Again, I will raise my voice to, to make a point, but I have given up shouting and yelling. It just frankly doesn't work. Proverbs 15 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger. Ephesians 4, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. In Galatians 6, 1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore them like a sledgehammer. Is that what it says? No. I, I picked these verses out because I want you to see, you might be here uh, and this morning and say, well, I don't have little kids living in my home, so I don't need to speak generally. Remember, the church is a family. These all apply in the same way that parents speak generally to children. Once more, we all need to speak with love and gentleness to one another. In truth as well. So that's the first one. Speak with gentleness. Number two is this. You need to unmask their hearts. You need to unmask their hearts. Don't. In verse 7. You might remember this. Proverbs verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. So when they're little you can teach them. But when they become teenagers. Can't teach them a thing. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And this is one of the things I've tried to do with Micah. Is to show. The reason you disagree with me right now son. Is because you're seeing it only from your perspective. You have to trust my perspective. 
And God would say the same thing to us. You as Christian, don't be wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 22 says these words, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. I mean, that's just unfortunate, isn't it? It's there. I didn't put it there. You didn't put it there. It's there. It's wrapped up into their heart. And so it's the rod of discipline that will drive it far from them. So we need to unmask their hearts to see the folly. And then lastly, we need to learn that discipline has to be given, but it has to be given for restoration and affirmation. Again, look in verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. A father, the son he delights in. Um, I'm, I'm, two, two minutes, I'm, I'm going to be done. But I want to, as we conclude, this is my last point. I want to draw you to the book of Hebrews 12. Turn, turn there with me very quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going we're to conclude there. Hebrews chapter 12. Page 1877 in the Pew Bibles. The writer of Hebrews is going to understand that God's discipline is something that ought to be seen even as you struggle against sin. And that wrestling that we go through is part of God's chastisement over us. Everybody with me? Hebrews chapter 12. Look with me starting in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you've forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everybody undergoes discipline, then you're an illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have had all human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. In our verse from this morning, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want you to see, discipline doesn't sit for discipline's sake. Neither is discipline ever permitted in anger. So for parents, if you're frustrated, and I was, I was uh, grouping with a friend uh, this week who said that's one of his struggles with uh, his daughters, is that he just gets so upset, he recognizes he's got to pull back for a little bit. He's got to kind of catch his perspective on it. And then approach and discipline in love and in control. Discipline is never something that's done out of anger. It's always to provide restoration and affirmation. Hosea 6, listen to these words. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. God, when he disciplines, does so for restoration and affirmation. If we're going to be those types of parents, both in the church and in our homes, that teach our children how to submit to God. Number one, speak with gentleness. Number two, uncover the, the folly of their hearts. Show them the error of their ways. And then as you discipline, bring them back. Affirm them.
For that's how God treats us. Let's pray this morning.